We're working through a series called Epic Fail, and we're talking about the seven deadly sins, and today we're talking about envy. Now, the interesting thing about that clip to me is, um, do you have to be taught to envy something that somebody else has, even your twin? Uh, Obviously, you don't, because this is sort of one of those kind of deep-seated, nasty little pieces of our life that we kind of don't talk a lot about. In fact, we live in a very competitive country, a very competitive society, and and sometimes that can be a driving factor for us, that we want something that somebody else has. But envy is not just this notion that I can get something else. It's, if I can't get it, I'm kind of mad that you got it. That That's sort of what envy looks like. I want to begin with a couple of stories. I have to confess that I, I love dumb criminal stories. I love these. Uh, really, they're kind of my favorites. I'm not clicking. Oh, it's because I'm not on. <laughs> uh, dumb pastor stories are also good. Okay. Dumb criminals. Now, this first one you may have heard before. It was in Seattle, Washington a few years ago. There's a guy, and he, he sees this Winnebago on the street, and he's going to steal the gas, and he's excited because there's no lock on the gas cap. And he takes it off. He's going to siphon it out. You, those of you... Oh, I'm in South Carolina. We're rednecks. We know how to siphon stuff. Okay, I forget my audience. Sometimes you have to contextualize. When I was in Michigan, you'd have to explain this. But, you know, you kind of, you suck on this, you stick it down in there, you suck on this hose, and then you get it to kind of this pressure built up, and then it comes out. Um, The reason that the uh, gas cap wasn't locked was because it wasn't the gas cap. Yeah. you got to let me finish. <laughs> the owner comes out. He sees a guy next to his Winnebago. <laughs> that is really a bad picture, by the way. And uh, he's writhing on the ground. He calls the police. The guy says, well, I was trying to steal his gas, but I put the hose in the wrong thing. The, the owner of the Winnebago said he didn't press charges because it was the best laugh he'd ever had in his life. <laughs> this is the picture of a million-dollar bill. Do you know how many of these are in circulation? None, because they're not real. Okay, there was a guy by the name of Michael Fuller in, uh, it was in Charlotte, uh, just across the line. And um, Michael Fuller went to uh, Walmart, because that's where you spend a million dollars. And he bought a vacuum cleaner, a microwave oven, and a couple of other, like candy bars. And he wanted to pay for them. With a million dollar bill. Now the, the lady took his bill and said, you know, this, you know this is fake. And he insisted uh, to the point where they eventually had to call the police to drive, to take him away. Now one last one. Chuck Norris. Can I get a witness? I mean Chuck Norris. I mean hallelujah. That's Chuck Norris right there. Chuck Norris, when he started filming uh, Walker, Texas Ranger, it was in Dallas. One day, these two guys try to mug him in an alley. He's walking down the alley, he's by himself for some reason. These two guys, a little taller, come up to him, and they pull out knives, and they say, we know who you are, we know you have a lot of money, hand it over or you're going to die. Let me read the rest of this. Norris actually opened his mouth and said, are you insane? (laughs) No, we know who you are, we know you got a lot of money, now we want it. Give it up or you're going to die. Chuck Norris has the following black belts. First degree in Brazilian Jitsu. Eighth degree in Grandmaster in Taekwondo. Ninth degree in something else. (laughs) Tenth degree in 
uh, Jeet Kune Do, uh, Tenth Degree and Tang Soo Do. I had that for lunch. It's really good. Um, Eleventh Degree in Chun Kuk Do. So, <laughs> these muggers, um, they actually try to attack Chuck Norris. Now, the police show up four minutes later. Let me finish this. Uh, four minutes later, three officers in two cars were greeted by the scene of two men with severely broken arms. The bones had gone through the skin. <laughs> After one of them stopped laughing, they said, Did you not know who this was? And one of them said, Yeah, we knew who he was. We just figured all the stuff on TV was fake. Well, today we're talking about envy. Now, um, these folks wanted something that wasn't theirs, and they made, and we do that too, I mean, maybe not to that degree, but we sort of envy, and I'm going to tell you, I think most of us have at least a little piss in our character. I'll, I'll sort of explain it to you, hopefully. Hopefully this will make sense. Let's think about work or school. And at work, there's this one person, guy, gal, doesn't really matter, but there's somebody there that is the biggest... Um, person, I'm trying to think of a clean word, uh, they uh, do their best to win favor with their bosses. We use no's sometime with that. And, you know, they're, they're always schmoozing, that's a good word, Schmoo they're, they're schmoozers, they're schmoozers, schmoozers, I can't even say it, uh, not hoosiers, schmoozers. And they're, the, they're those guys that uh, just are always kind of, you know, trying to be the favorite, teacher's pet in, at school, that kind of thing. And they annoy the life out of you because they always get the best assignments and they get, they get uh, accolades in class or they get accolades at work and they just really annoy you. You know, you, you just sort of don't like them, just, just sort of in your spirit, you don't like them. Now let's say tomorrow morning you're driving to school or you're driving to work and all of a sudden as you're driving you see that the popo has pulled somebody over. Can I call him the popo? Because I love the popo, man. I'm all about the popo. Anyway, the police officer has pulled them over, pulled somebody over, and you drive past and you notice it's them. The people, you know, the, the schmoozers. Now, how do you feel at that moment? Do, do, you, do you say, oh, bless their hearts? Or do you say, bless their hearts? Um, how do you feel about that? See, that's kind of this whole notion of envy. And the Bible talks about this. Now, in Galatians, it says, since we are living by the Spirit. By the way, when we become followers of Christ, when we give our lives to Him and, and give Him direction of our life, the Spirit comes into our hearts and guides us. So, since we are living by the guidance of the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us not be jealous or envious of one another. See, the big idea is this. Envy is resenting God's goodness in other people's lives and ignoring God's goodness in mine. It's not just looking, it's not looking at me. It's looking at you, and it's wanting what you have. Um, the other day I was driving, and I, I saw this car in front of me. Envy me. And I thought, well, I'm, yeah, I don't, I don't have one of those fellowship, uh, Freedom Fellowship stickers on the back of my van yet, so I was going to do a brake check. Uh, that's kind of what I was going to do. But I'm in a minivan. I couldn't catch him. But you know what I'm feeling. You know, how, you know what I'm saying. It's one of those things where you kind of want to, right? You kind of have this 
Jesus want to. It's not just that the grass is greener on the other side, but I'm praying for your grass to die. That is what envy feels like. It occurs. It can occur at home. It can occur at school, at work. It's kind of just out there. And some of us have relatives. They're the favorite, you know, and you don't really want to go to the family reunions or to the Christmas uh, parties at home because, you know, they're going to be there and they kind of like you knowing that they're quite successful and maybe more successful than you are. In, in professional circles, it's called, you know, professional uh, jealousy. Doctors have it. Builders have it. Pastors have it. Kids have it at school. We look at people who make better grades. We look at people who are more attractive. We, we look at people who are better athletes. And the Bible warns against this. It's sort of like a cancer, frankly. It's a spiritual cancer. The spiritual cancer of envy. The Bible tells us that really there are reasons to not be, to not allow that to fester in your life. Let me give you about three. The first one is it causes conflicts with others. When I envy, it really ruins relationships. Look at what it says in James. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? And the answer is yes. When I was a kid, um, before political correctness and all that, we, we had a game that we played at school called King of the Hill. Anybody ever play King of the Hill? Let me Maybe I'm not saying it. King of the Hill? Great. Ah, uh, I wasn't saying it right. Ah, uh, you had to translate. King of the Hill. That, that was where one guy is on the top of the hill and everybody's coming at him and you have to push him down, right? And yeah, sure, we broke some arms. But, uh, but there was a winner, right? There was a winner. And, and the... The, the funny thing is, we never stop playing it. We, we don't play it the same way, but we compete. <laughs> We're incredibly competitive. And when we, when we envy others, when we won't let them get ahead because it's going to make us look bad, then that causes these um, enormous conflicts. It also leads to other sins. Look what it says in James again. For where you find envy, there you find disorder every evil practice. The Bible is full of these stories of envy. Cain killed his brother Abel. Joseph's brothers were envious of him, much like my sisters are of me. And because uh, I was the youngest and only boy, they called me the golden child. Anyway, uh, long story. Um, the brothers sold Joseph into slavery. You have Rachel and Leah. I mean, just story after story in Scripture of people who have these huge conflicts over envy. I read a story a couple of weeks ago about these um, these two, uh, they were both in college, they were both college age, uh, I forget where they were from. Um, one guy's name is Christian Aguilar, and he got a scholarship to the University of Florida, and his friend didn't get the scholarship, and he ended up killing him over a scholarship. See, envy can lead to all these other kinds of sins. And we say, oh, it would never be us. Well, how do you know that? I mean, envy, it festers. A third thing is it makes us miserable. A heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy, I mean, and that envy rots the bones. Have you ever seen that show, uh, What Would You Do? It's, I think it's on ABC, I don't remember now. Um, they did one, one episode where there were customers at a grocery store or something, and there was a checkout line, and somebody with one item asks to cut in front of somebody with a, a bag or a cart full of stuff. 
And they let them in, and this person checks out, and they're like the millionth customer. And they win like $5,000. And can you imagine the reactions of the, of the people who let that person in front of them? I mean, it, it is this sort of study in, in human nature that we envy what somebody else has. It's not so much that you have it, it's that I want it, and if I can't get it, you shouldn't have it. Envy is ugly. It is ugly, and it takes lots of different forms. And you see it often, that we, we just can't be happy for somebody that has success. Now, what if they got their success illegally, or what if they got... Look, I think God is big enough to take care and settle accounts. So if they got it illegally, or if they did it you know, underhandedly, they have to give an accounting someday. So envy just it ruins relationships, it causes other sins, it makes us miserable. There are reasons to not be envious. So, I'm telling you what not to do, but how do you do not do this? If that made any sense. How do we not envy? That's kind of all I want to say. Five ways, alright? Got your notes, so here we go. Number one, this is so big, we have to uh, resist comparing ourselves to others. And in 2 Corinthians... Do not dare classify or compare ourselves. It is not wise. It is super foolish. Here, here's the deal. Here's the deal. Truth is, in comparing myself to others, I can always find somebody that's better than me. And I can get discouraged. And I can also always find somebody that I'm better than. And I can get prideful. The, the problem with comparing is, it, I can compare up or down Either way, it, doesn't, it makes me miserable. We just talked about being miserable. Now, when I was 16, my dad bought me a Datsun B210 with oxidized orange paint. What I like to call a babe magnet. It had bucket seats. It had AM and FM. Uh, I think it had a back seat. I don't really remember. Okay. Now, um, I was excited to have any ride at all. A Datsun B210, it, it provided transportation to and from school. Now, sure, I backed into my sister's car the first day I had my driver's license. Sure, sure, sure. And I might have caused a dent or two. But I was happy with this until, until I began to compare. Now, I had a friend, his name is Mike Wilson. I talk about Mike a lot. He had a brother named Terry Wilson. Terry was older than us. Terry got a job at Sonic. Terry started making some serious quan. Terry bought a car. He, he bought a Chrysler Cordoba. You know what kind of interior it had, remember? Rich Corinthian leather. Not rich Corinthian leather. Rich Corinthian leather. I mean, he had an 8-track. How do you compete with that, really, seriously? He'd be jamming out to, you know, to Boston. More than a feeling. I mean, I just see him driving down the road, jamming to some Boston, to some BGs. Staying alive. Hey, I've got music to go along with. Uh, awesome. Way to go. So, it, I was cool with my Datsun. B210 until my friend got a Chrysler Cordoba. You see, that's, that's the problem with comparing. 
I'm, I'm kind of satisfied until I see somebody that has something better. And then I'm not as satisfied. Uh, we have to resist. And it is, it almost takes everything that's within you to resist comparing. Because it is, we're kind of compelled, we're, we're motivated to compare. I, I mean, advertising is to cause you to be dissatisfied with what you have. One of the reasons, I like the, the outdoor shows. Does anybody watch like uh, Alone? Anybody watch that show? Or, or um, what are some of the others? Mountain Men. I love the Mountain Men because they, they're just happy with what they have. What do they have? They've got a cabin they build out of sticks. And they drink water from the creek. And they eat bugs. And I'm thinking to myself, I just wish I was that content to be satisfied with a stick hut, bugs, and crick water. I, I wish I was that way. Now, the Bible talks about this. Oops, I went one too far. Pay careful attention to your own work. Pay attention to you, what you're doing. For then you'll get the satisfaction of a job well done. And you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else. Man, we, we should... We should cause our kids to memorize this verse. Pay careful attention to your stuff. I mean, don't let them be satisfied with mediocrity. But good grief, it is okay to just be you. Just be you. Second thing, man, this is clicking. Uh, recognize your uniqueness. God created you in a special way. These are powerful verses. God created every part of me. You put me together in my mother's womb. Happy Mother's Day, man. Thank you all mothers for... my. I was 10 pounds, 11 ounces at birth. I will never repay my mother. She could live to be 100. I'll never, get, I'll never pay her off. I really, seriously. 10 pounds, 11 ounces. Good grief. And um, we're, we're all unique. God has all gifted every one of us uniquely. Look at this next one. You watched me. This is... Uh, David praying to God, you watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. I mean, isn't that beautiful? God knows you. He has always known you. And sometimes we get to feeling insignificant or we feel like God doesn't know who we are. He doesn't know our names. That, that is so foolish because the Bible over and over says he knows us. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. He doesn't just know you. He knows all about you. And here's what's remarkable about that. He loves you anyway. You know, we can put on for people. My daddy used to call it putting on. You can put on. And, and you can make yourself look good to people. And, and you can kind of be around a crowd. And you might fool them into thinking you're something. But I love this verse. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment. <laughs> you, you just, putting on for God just doesn't even make any sense. Because he knows us intimately. He knows where we're weak, where we're cowardly, where we're brave, where we have pride, where we have fear. He knows all these things about us. And God... Loves us anyway. 
We, we have to celebrate our uniqueness. I, I wasn't made to do what you do. You weren't made particularly to do what I do. We're all made to do different things. God has a plan. Now, do we go through hard times? Listen, I've learned more from mistakes and difficulties than I have from successes and, and, and getting things right. Sometimes you make mistakes. Sometimes you have difficulties. And you learn. And you grow. And you get better. And your experience blossoms. And it's all good. It's not, this doesn't say God has planned for your life to always be easy. Because it just doesn't say that. Jesus one time said, in this world you will have trouble. I mean, <laughs> that is like as unvarnished as it can be. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, he said, I've overcome the world. Thirdly, rejoice in what you have. Enjoy what you have rather than desiring what you don't have. Cool text. Enjoy what you have. Um, there are envy myths out there. Let me read a couple of them to you. If I had a little bit more, then I would be happy. That's an envy myth. There's an envy myth that says, whoever dies with the most toys wins. Um, let, let me just say, that's baloney. Both those things. A little bit more. If you get a little bit more, you know what you want then? A little bit more. Listen to this. There was a study done of women who went back to work after having kids. They, asked, they were asked the question, why did you go back to work? And one woman was honest enough to say, because then we can afford things that will cause other people to envy us. Wow. Envy makes people do stupid things like work too much, like overwork. Th this whole idea of the legacy beads, Miss Abby was talking about how once you see the, the jar emptying, you know that you don't have as much time left with your kids. It's, it's a great visual reminder that, man, my time is fleeting, and we make the most of our time. I, I don't know of anybody who ever gets to the end of their life who says, I wish I had padded my resume. I wish I had spent more time at work. The regrets around uh, the end of life are mostly about people saying, I wish I had spent more time with my kids or with my wife or with my husband. Look at this verse. This is Solomon writing. The, the smartest man, the Bible says he was the smartest man who ever walked the planet. I observe that most people are motivated to, succe to success because they envy their neighbors. But this too is meaningless. A chasing after the wind. Envy is this desire to acquire that just kind of runs out of control. And the question I have to ask you is, well, moving into a um, uh, from a $100,000 house to a $200,000 house, double your pleasure? Will it double how you feel about yourself? And for how long? If it, even if it works. In Philippians it says this, I have learned to be content whatever the circumstance. I've learned to be content whatever the circumstance. It's a, it's a crazy verse because it's hard to do. If you have wavy hair, you want straight hair. If you have straight hair, you want wavy hair. If you have no hair, you want any hair. That's kind of how it works. We, we want a bigger car, a faster car, a bigger house. It's just kind of how these things go down. I heard about a little girl. I read this story about this little girl. And she was a uh, second grader, and she was doing pretty good with the tooth fairy. Uh, she would lose a tooth. She'd put it in an envelope, put it under a pillow. She'd get up the next morning. She'd have two crisp $1 bills. Must have been from my family, because that's about what we did. She was okay with that. She had kind of developed a little stash of cash. 
And then she went to her friend Rachel's house. Rachel told her that when she put her tooth under the pillow, she got a 10. Well, that doesn't seem right, right? So the first little girl goes to the mother of Rachel. Her name was Mrs. Kraft. And she said, Mrs. Kraft, would you call my mom and tell her what tooth fairy you're using? Lesson 101 in getting over envy is this. God has already provided everything I need to make me happy now. He's already provided everything I need. In fact, I have more than I deserve. When was the last time you considered how much you actually have? There's a show on television about tiny houses. Miriam and I are experiencing that. It's called apartment living. Okay. Now, we've lived in an apartment now for for two months, two or three months. Here's what's interesting to me. If you live in a small, confined space, you don't buy new stuff. I mean, we're not going out and buying things because we don't have anywhere to put it. We have a storage unit that's full of stuff. It's been in storage for two months. How badly do we need that? It's been in storage for two months. You know what we have? I have boxes of rocks that my kids collected growing up we moved two tons of rocks every time we moved because we can't get rid of them so much of our stuff is just stuff and God has already given us everything we need if we can learn to be content I'll give you one more respond to others in love look at this first Corinthians 13 love chapter love does not Envy, it says. In fact, envy is the opposite of love. Jesus put it this way. Love your neighbor as yourself. One of the problems with envy is it sort of, um, it's kind of not loving yourself. I'm not content because <laughs> I'm not happy with myself. God really doesn't really want us to be there. Love your neighbor as yourself. The problem is a lot of times we don't love ourselves. Romans, this great text. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Truth is, if you want more joy in your life, rejoice with people who have had success. Um, be happy for them. If you want to have more joy, you're going to have to. You're not going to get all the joy that's going to be directed to you. So enjoy, have joy for someone else. Have joy for someone else. Let me give you one last one. We're going to end on this. Focus on pleasing God. Look at what it says in Colossians 3, 2. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. Um, I have a trophy somewhere in those boxes of stuff. In the eighth grade, I was the MVP of the Danville Parks and Recreation League basketball. That really, you should have, I, I was expecting an awe. Uh, thank you. Eighth grade MVP, Park and Recreation League. Got a trophy. Now, I've got to admit to you that I have never gone back to Danville, Kentucky, and somebody stopped me on the street and said, Dude, aren't you the guy that won the eighth grade Park and Recreation MVP basketball trophy? I've never had that one time. I keep expecting it. I go back about twice a year to Danville. I walk down the street hoping... I go to Burke's Bakery. It's the greatest place ever. I go there. I'm hanging out with the old people. I'm expecting them, somebody to recognize me. Aren't you Joe Vest? 
Winter? And never. Not one time. Now, point is this. Fame doesn't last. For that day when I got the trophy, I was the king of the basketball world in Danville for eighth grade. Who played in the Park and Recreation League. Because we weren't good enough to make the school team. But anyway, 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 anyway. For that moment, I was the boss. I mean, I was, I was, I was the man. I was the Michael Jordan of the Park and Rec League for eighth graders who didn't make the school team. That, that was me. That was me. Fame doesn't last. Things wear out. However, people, people go on and on and on. Building relationships is what's really, really important. I'm going to end with this last verse. Don't be envious of sinful people. I mean, there are people who have great big stuff. Let reverence for the Lord be the concern of your life. If it is, you have a bright future. That is a sweet verse. It's a sweet verse. Don't get all hung up about other people and what they have and what they don't have and what you have and what you don't have. Our focus is on pleasing God. My focus is going to be on pleasing God. This is what my focus is going to be about. I, what if I start looking? You know, it's okay to admire what somebody else has. You, have, you can admire it without wanting it. Miriam and I, we're, we're looking for a house to get out of that stupid apartment. And uh, we drive by houses that we know we can't afford. And it's like, wow, that's a cool house. Wouldn't that be cool? That'd be cool. We don't envy it. I'm not going to go like tonight and burn anything down. If something burns down, it's not me. <laughs> I can't <laughs> bounce for Miriam. But uh, it's not going to be me. You can enjoy what somebody else has and not have to have it. That's kind of how it works. I'm going to pray for us. I'm going to pray that God gives us a heart of contentment. That we can live contented lives and learn the secret of focusing on God rather than people and stuff. And then I'm going to tell you about the offering. But let's, let's pray first. Lord, thank you for this time today that we've had to celebrate how good you are to us. Lord, remind us of all you've given us how you've blessed us help us take our eyes off of others and things and help us focus completely on you we pray lord that you'd help us have hearts that are content and hearts that are focused and when we get out of focus when we start when our vision is diverted bring us back on course we pray it humbly in jesus name amen